0: Toes podcast. I'm your host, Gio Gracia, and I know it's been a long time, man. It's been like seven, six months, something like that. You know, everything from getting a new job to buying a house, you know, and getting things rolling with my wife, man. Life's been kind of turbulent, but to get everything rolling again, I brought my first guest ever back on the show, my boy, Rodney Hill. Rod, I appreciate you getting on the damn podcast, brother. It's, it's been a struggle getting this thing rolling, but I appreciate you coming on and helping me jumpstart this thing back up, bro.
1: Hey, I am honored that you would have me back on, and that you want me to be the person to help you get this thing jump started back. You know, it's it's only right, man. I appreciate it.
0: No doubt, bro. And you know, let's let's fill the crowd in, bro. So you've been when I first had you on, you was with the Detroit Lions,
1: right? It <laughs> Feels that was, like it was forever
0: ago. Yeah, that was, that was forever ago because he's been around now. <laughs> so let, let let's fill the crowd in, man. Where you been since Detroit, man?
1: Oh, man. Um, Since Detroit, uh, I believe when you had me on, I had been like go from Detroit, but uh, it was in a bit of a lull there. Then I went to the Buffalo Bills for a quick cup of coffee. From there, I went to LSU for a quick cup of coffee. And now I am at Duke University working with their football strength and conditioning department.
0: Yeah, still working with high level athletes, man. That's what it is. Let's real quick. Right. We're not going to get into much detail. You didn't have a cup of coffee in Buffalo, bro. You had like a like a 32 rounds cup of coffee in Buffalo. Because what would you guys make it to the AFC championship that year? Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, we uh, we 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 were blessed and fortunate. I was blessed and fortunate to be up there with with a great organization, a place that has it right. You know, a place that has a winning formula, a place that has a really good roster, Intact and a place that is going to probably continue to make deep playoff runs for a long time. But yeah, that year twenty twenty, I guess it was the COVID year. We we had a good run up in uh, up to the AFC Championship game, and it was really exciting and something really great to be a part of.
0: Now, no doubt, man. Now I've been I <laughs> want to ask you this question for a while. Let me change my laptop camera here. I need to lean back a little bit. All right, I wanted to ask you this question for a while, Rod. Right, but I've been saying let me save it for the podcast. Right. So check this out. You've worked with Matt Stafford. Well, you've worked with Eli Manning. Yes. Matt Stafford. Yes. Josh Allen. Don't compare the three guys to each other, right? Because we obviously know, you know, everyone's got their own capabilities, their own traits for the, the way they need to play. Stafford, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Eli, two-time winning quarterback. Josh Allen, a shit ton of promise, right? How the hell was it working with Stafford and then next year going to work with Josh Allen? Like, talk like, if you could just, if you could just briefly talk about their work ethics, because I always thought Stafford was an okay quarterback until you told me, Gio, man, this guy he's a baller. And then I started watching him. And I'm like, man, you know what? This guy could play big time football. He just needs big time players around him, and he proved it this year. Josh Allen's just a big time baller, man. We all seen it for the facts. But just talk about their work ethics, man, and what you've seen personally.
1: Uh, most definitely. I think uh, number one is they are the hardest workers on their teams. You know what I mean? They're the first Uh guy in the building. They're the last guy out. Uh, Uh They may not be vocal leaders all the time, but they lead by example. You know what I mean? They're the guys who... Make sure that guys are staying after practice so they are getting to practice early so they can work on routes, so they can work on timing, so they can work on rhythm and things like that. Uh, Taking care of their bodies, you know, making sure that they're eating the right things or putting the right things in their bodies, that they're training the way that they need to train to stay healthy and to stay on the field. Um, In Detroit, you know, Stafford was uh, he was going through some personal matters with his family and they were like, Hey, don't, you know, don't even worry about showing up to the building, you know? And that dude, he was in there every day, six o'clock, 6 30 AM coming in, getting his work out and doing everything he had to do, even though he didn't have to be there. And they probably didn't want him there and then going home to take care of his personal matters, man. And that's something that I always admired about him and I thought was very admirable and was you know was was awesome to see uh they have a certain aura about them you know what I mean they kind of walk in the room and you know they're the guy right like you hear on ESPN and those other places and they embrace that role it's not too big for them uh they have the mental makeup to to be able to handle the pressures day in and day out and then Obviously, they're quick thinkers. You know, you can jaw with them a little bit, and they're real witty. They can come back because they can process information and regurgitate information really quickly, just like uh, just like they can on the football field. Um, so their work ethic, just like anybody else, right? It's second to none. If you have the talent, right, that'll get you so far. But once you match you know a work left a work ethic excuse me that uh that matches that talent level that you get what you get out of those three guys and you know it was a pleasure to see and a pleasure to be a part of and uh you know it's something I try to tell the guys when you're in college hey I've been these places I've seen these guys I've seen how it goes and if you want to get there and you want to be there for a long time then this is what it is going to take
0: right Ton of sacrifices, man. Absolutely. You know, and, and, no I th- and, I, and I think some guy, and it's funny because when I used to do combine training at Parisi's a while ago, man, I remember Martin Rooney always telling the guys, listen, if you're going to try to take the warm up serious now, and we got seven weeks to prepare for the combine, you wasted four years of your football career not taking it serious as a freshman. You know, there's some guys freshman, sophomore year, they're not playing. So they're like, whatever. When I get on the field, I'll take it more serious. And some guys do, some guys don't. You know, that's just everywhere you go. But, um, I just don't I just think some young guys, 18, 19 years old, don't understand the sacrifice till it's too late. And at that point, you, you know, time has become your enemy, you know.
1: I mean, I 100 percent agree. Right. And I mean, greatness isn't for everybody. Right. Because if it was, then everybody would be great. You know what I mean? And, you know, some of us weren't born with the, and I mean, some of that can be taught, I feel like as well, as far as the sacrifice, but it's just a mindset, you know what I mean? And some people are content with, you know, with what they have, but you know, if you wanna be great, that's what it takes. And like you said, you you don't wanna wait until you have seven weeks to go to prepare for, you know, the biggest job interviews of your life. You know, you want to use every opportunity in college leading up to that as, as, you know, a part of that process building up for that interview because what you do while nobody's watching, that's what's gonna show up on tape and then that's what's going to show up in these interview processes when these teams are asking you, uh, you know, about yourself and you know putting this tape on and asking you what you were doing and what you what you were seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, man! So let's dial it in now, man. So you've been from you know whole career coaching to now, you know, you started working with. Uh, we've had, we had a lot of conversations over the past you know years, but over the last year and a half, it's been more sciencey. Right. Stuff you yeah. and I have been talking about force plate wise, uh, GPS stuff wise. Right. Let's let's dive into that a little bit, because I feel like most of my podcast episodes have been more about, hey, what do you use these things for? And I kind of want to dig into how we use these things. You know what I'm saying? So you've worked with what? Force decks, plates? Absolutely. OSU, right? All force
1: decks. Yes, sir.
0: All force decks. I've worked with Sparta Plates. And I think we try to cross uh, navigate some information and I don't know if we found any valid points um, let's talk about some stuff you found at LSU, and you shared some, some of your work with me, and I thought it was very interesting, and I've tried to adapt into it myself. Um, let's talk a little bit, but you know about your work, what you've done, things you've practiced on.
1: Yeah, uh, most definitely. I mean, we've. Uh, had a, but being all these different places, you get a lot of different experience with a lot of different types of technology, right? I've seen different GPS trackers from polar to catapult, uh, to zebra, um, from a force deck standpoint or from a force plate standpoint, I've seen the vault force plates. I've seen Sparta, I've Mm. seen Hawkins, um, Uh, then velocity based training, you know, you've got perch, you've got tendos, you've got, this is really broad right now. And I promise I'll get more specific. I'm just talking about (laughs) the things that I've, the things that I've seen, you know what I mean? And then I'll get to the other stuff. Uh, then you've got gym aware and even, uh, VMAX pro from what I believe that people really, really like now. Um, and I mean, At LSU, I was fortunate enough to learn a lot about the force, but, you know, Coach Moffitt was like, I know you've never done it before, but, you know, just getting here, we'd like you to take it over. And the assistants at LSU, you know, they had a pretty good idea of how to, you know, how to pull the data, how to extract the data, how to set up files and things like that in a way in which you could present it that Coach Moffitt liked, because at the end of the day, when you're dealing with data, right? You got to present it in a way in which people understand and which people care about it. Otherwise it doesn't matter because it's not going to get used, right? Right. Uh, at LSU, uh, again, I was, I was lucky enough to be involved with that Force Dex. And I mean, to me, the King metric, and there's going to be other people out there who have other thought processes. This is just through my personal experience, right? The thing that I like the most is the RSI or the modified RSI, right? And the modified RSI is your time to take off divided by your jump height, and it gives you a uh, it gives you a number, you know, a decimal number. It'll be one point something if you're pretty explosive, or zero point. You could still be explosive and have a zero point nine or zero point eight, you know. Uh, and the reason I like that is one, it kind of tells us how. How reactive you are. Right. How much force and how much time does it take you to absorb that force to then recreate it concentrically and, you know, jump as high as you possibly can. Right. And not only that, but it's also an indicator of uh, a fatigue. You know, okay. uh, you know, it allows you to see how guys are recovering from, you know, whether it was a hard workout the day before or a hard practice, uh, almost like load response, right? You, uh, you figure out what the load was the day before, however you want to quantify that, whether it is through practice, player load through the GPS or, you know, the percentages and the tonnage lifted and the stuff like that in the weight room along with the conditioning, if it's the summer or whatever have you. And then, you know, if you jump them the next day, you see how they respond to that load. How are they recovering? You know, then you can also do that, you know, week to week throughout the season, you know, how are our guys responding? How are they recovering? What does our RSI look like this week compared to what we first started during camp when they were the freshest that they've ever been. Right. And once you jump them in season during camp, you know, they'll be the freshest that they've ever been that first day, right? Where you get a baseline, this is where we're at, right? Then naturally through campus, guys start to fatigue and things like that because, you know, that stimulus, that extra stimulus of playing football, which they haven't done since spring ball. And now it's an everyday thing as opposed to every other day thing, you know, that, that stresses the body. And as we know, stress is stress and it's going to take a toll. So naturally you'll yeah. start to see a little dip in uh, their recovery, right? And as strength and conditioning coaches, it is our job to help manage that stress, make sure that they are recovering and making sure that we can get them to perform you know, optimally on a daily basis. And my opinion, the force plate allows you to see how, you know, how each guy expresses power individually, because that's what it is. I believe I read that from Andrea Hootie. you know, it's, it's, it's art. It's an expression of, it's an expression of power. And, you know, you want to make sure that they can do that to the best of their ability each day and also help that you do that through managing their stress and making sure that these guys are able to perform.
0: Right. That's all about stress management. I've been doing the same stuff here at at uh, Monmouth, not even know if people know that I'm at Monmouth now, but I left Fordham <laughs> last summer, <laughs> you know, got the Monmouth. Um, same thing. You know, I'm I'm working with the uh, the polar monitors um, and the Sparta plates here with our guys. Um, and after, you know, all the conversations I've had with you, I've been tracking RSI. And, you know, one thing I noticed last season was our, our RSI was down until week three. We returned back to baseline. So weeks one and two. You know, me and our head strength coach, we just suggested that hey, we still we still have camp legs. You know, we're not running fast, we're not, we're tired as hell by the third quarter. You know, I mean we-, we won week two, we lost week one, but at the same time, it's like, hey, our guys are just beat up from the whole month of August. You know, how the hell can we get them restored back to playing football at a high level again? You know, we didn't see that till week three again. So this year we're trying to make some adjustments, high low model, maybe during camp. Um, you know, talk with the coaches, you know, try to educate them a little bit on, you know, what's high intensity, what's considered low intensity, you know, um, even though you just, you know running routes and, you know, you're not doing anything live, you know, doesn't mean it's not high intensity, you know, to their knowledge, you know, high intensity is guys out there hitting each other. You know, even if you run at full speed, we all know you're running full speed, that's high intensity work, man. You know, but coaches wouldn't know that they, they would think, Hey, we're not tackling. So it's not high intensity. Well, yes, it is. The stress is still there. And if we're doing that for 31, you know, 36 straight days, you know, good luck week two, man. You know, you'd be struggling to get to <laughs> week three at that point, you know?
1: percent no i i totally agree with you and i mean if you're blessed enough to have coaches that will listen if you can take them the data and they're willing to be like you know what i think you're 100% right and let's figure out how to uh let's figure out how to how to periodize practice in a sense yeah. in 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 a way that we can uh we can peak these guys each week at the right time. And then we can peak them throughout the season when we need to, when we need them to play their best and we need them to be feeling their best, whether that's on Sunday or whether that's on the Sunday of week eight, you know what I mean? You can, you're able to do that. And, uh, if Because at the end of the day, like I said before, if the coach is not willing to listen, then none of it matters. You could do as much as you can in the weight room. But, you know, if the coach is still out there practicing them and grinding them into the ground every single day, then there's only so much you can do because that stress is just going to end up being too much and they're never going to get a chance to recover back to baseline
0: not 100 percent, man. We're, we're fortunate enough to have coaches out here that would listen, take feedback. I mean, you know, working with the wide receivers coach all season, because that's that's the group that seems to get beat up a lot here. You know, he'll, he'll pull guys out of practice. He'll, you know, give a guy a day off on a Wednesday, Thursday. If his high speed distance is too great, um, you know, based on his, you know, average for the season or whatnot, where he should be, you know. Um, but let, let, let's, let's dig a little bit into uh, other metrics, man. What else are you looking at? You're looking at jump, max power, max velocity. That's stuff I'm looking at. And I, I'll be honest. I'm looking at it because it looks fancy and I don't know why I'm looking at it, <laughs> but I'm trying no to, I'm trying to create a, an idea of what I want to do, how I want to paint this picture. I got the color on the paper, but I don't know if I want to make a sky or a window. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. 100%. Um Sure. Uh, so obviously, you know, Vol gives you like 170 different metrics, right? And it's it's, it's uh, it's up to you to kind of figure out what's, what is most important, right? Now, I'm not saying, this is just kind of my thought process. It's I've gotten involved. There's a lot of people out there who know a lot more about the force plates than I do and who probably have different ways of thinking, right? Because there's a million ways to skin a cat. So this is just what I think personally just through what I've seen and through what I've read and just kind of going about things. Right. Uh, again, with 170 different metrics, right. It's easy to, you know, go in there and get overwhelmed with data. Right. So the way I try to divvy it up is, you know, there's, there's three movements in the jump, right. Or three movement, three, three phases, rather, excuse me, in any movement, right. You've got your eccentric and you've got your amortization or your, your transition phase, if you will. And then you've got your concentric portion. Right. Mm -hmm. And I try to, you know, divvy things up that way. Right. Like what, what, uh, Eccentric metrics are the most important, right? What gives you the biggest snapshot of where we are eccentrically, right? And with the Vault Force Dex, to me, that is the eccentric deceleration rate of force development. So the eccentric decel RFD is what they call it, right? Uh, then your force at zero velocity, right? How much force are you putting in at, at a zero velocity when it's time to change from the eccentric portion to the concentric portion and really drive into the force plate. So that way you can lift off as high as you can and as fast as you can. And then, uh, excuse me, I like concentric rate of power development and, uh, I like peak power, right? Uh, peak power is good because it shows you the most, the most uh the most power that they're producing, right? The most wattage that you're gonna get out of them, right? But the other thing conversely with that to me is that is just a snapshot throughout the whole movement, right? You want to look at the whole movement. You don't want to just look at a snapshot. So right now we're talking peak power versus mean power and the same thing. You can go eccentric peak power in uh you know the eccentric phase versus eccentric mean power right and what's most important to you do you want to figure out the most that they can develop like the most power that they can develop within that movement or do you want to figure out where they're at over the entire course of the movement and that's one of those things I'm trying to uh I'm trying to figure out and dive through and see what I can figure out and asking people who are a lot smarter than me because you know I don't claim to know anything right and then I think I sent you a screenshot the other day this might have been yesterday I was I was deep down in a rabbit hole. Like, Hey, I'm thinking about this, thinking about doing that (laughs) and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, just trying to figure out what makes sense. Right. Because you don't want to just divvy up things and, you know, make a hundred graphs and a hundred charts because you don't want to take your boss, all of this stuff, because he's going to be like, all right, so now what do we do with this? What does it mean? And like I said, the first podcast, you don't want to come with problems. You want to come with solutions. So you better have, you know, some useful information. Hey, this is what I'm noticing. This with this and this, right? This equals this, right? And hopefully it's something where you know it can help you with your programming or help you with that uh that stress or load management, like we uh like we talked about. And if I start sounding crazy and something I'm saying is not making sense, just interject, just completely cut me off, bros and start talking <laughs> I got you, over bro. me.
0: <laughs> now you're fine, man. Do you um one thing I've been interested in recently, and I think we talked about it a while ago is, is the time it takes for yes. things to happen, eccentric time, concentric time. And it's funny, even with, uh, our, uh, what's it called? My polar data, you know, I'll put, you know, I put something up in the locker room after practice, right. The, the next day for guys to look at or skilled guys, you know, I got something called cheetah of the day. So nice. you know, n- now, you know, so, listen, now, guys, they don't want to bullshit in training no more. I started this last year towards the end of the season where I thought some guys were bullshitting in practice, waiting to turn it up till Saturday. Cheater of the day. Hey, 17 miles per hour, man. You ain't fast. No, I'm fast, coach. You ain't fast. You ain't a cheater, bro. Boom. Next day, no. bang. He's hitting 21. Say, I'm a fucking cheater, coach. I'm fast. Don't play me out. Right? So, now, these guys are going. Every day right after training, these guys are like, what's my speed? Well, they'll tell me, what's my time? I said, it's not time. It's speed. It's, not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> your miles per hour. But Absolutely. What I, so somebody's got we had a lot of 20 miles per hour this week. And I'm like, you know, this this the most guys we had running 20 plus, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, we got 22s, 23s like fuck that shit. We're not running 22 yet. We'll try to get there, but not yet. I want to look at how fast it takes for each individual to get to 20 miles per hour. Some guys might be here. Some guys might need extra yards. You know what I'm trying to say? 100 percent. Same thing in my jumps. Now I started looking into our, our Sparta place. They give us what's called. um jump eccentric time, jump concentric time, right. how fast you're going down, how fast you're pulling, you're driving yourself back up. And what I'm starting to notice that are, are obviously your twitchiest guys are going to be the quickest guys. Right. right? The guys who need more time to develop power, max power or I guess jump height, which you, you told me on jump height, don't even look at it no more. I, I kind of look at it from time to time. But the guys that need more time to develop that force are probably the guys that need a little more power training, not strength training. Would you agree or no?
1: hundred percent, right? It comes back okay. to the, uh, the force velocity curve, right? Right, right. Uh, you know, the guys who take a little longer to produce that force are probably more on the force end of that and could use more, Velocity based training or velocity, not velocity based training, but things that are on the faster and things that are going to make them move a little faster, things that are right, right. going to make them move slower by nature, right? It's obviously all about intent, but you want to have them do something that's going to make them move faster, like something with lightweight as opposed to heavyweight. Uh, and yeah, the guys I'm not, not all guys that move fast probably need to work on strength, but yes, those guys that take a little longer you know you probably want to work a little more a little more type two movements with them a little more quick explosive fast you know low resistance style movements, so they can do that because I mean at the end of the day the jump is a uh it's a it's a it's a low resistance thing it's just body weight right should be explosive uh, yeah should be explosive and I 100% agree that figuring out the time whether it's on the field right and somebody reaches that 22 miles per hour excuse me how fast did they get there right how long did it take them to to reach that right your time to time to peak velocity right right right, right. time to peak velocity is a very very important thing and I would say even for your uh even for your big boys especially right because they're about to run into another human being every single play, right? So if I can get to my peak velocity and I'm more powerful than you, you know, on every play, that'll create, you know, what we call knockback, right? Trying to create a new line of scrimmage or moving your opponent backwards. Okay. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the way That's the way that I look at it, you know. Does that make sense?
0: No, it makes 100% sense. I'm starting to think back from when I was at Fordham and we had Jim Awares. I was tracking time to peak velocity with my pitchers. And one guy, he got drafted by the uh, the Giants. He was an outstanding kid, great pitcher. His time to peak velocity, and we kept his deadlift weight the same. It kept improving every week. And then you would see his fastball go up with it. And then the one week it dropped. Feel what I think he was like sick that week. The one week it dropped, his fastball went down. You know, he started ramping it back up. It wasn't where it was with his highest until I think like three or four weeks later. You know, by the end of the season, he's throwing 96, 98 a couple times. No lefty too. So I mean, it's pretty rare for a lefty to get that high in college, but. I man i think time to peak velocity is an outstanding metric that kind of goes undermined you know
1: 100% yeah i think it's yeah. really important i mean i don't i don't know i haven't done like a deep dive on time to peak velocity but i don't know if there's a whole lot of research out there that can show the benefits of it but maybe as as that becomes a thing and more you know, more scholars will do more research on it to show the benefits. More people will start to find it. uh, We'll start to find it important because, you know, what we do with science based practice and, you know, some of it can be anecdotal, right. But a lot of it you want to do based off of based off of research. Right. And then you kind of, you kind of figure out where you're at from there. Right. Because not everything's going to be the way that they did it in the paper because more times than not that was done in a vacuum and we've got a hundred other factors that we need to worry about with these college athletes or even in the pro setting with the pro athletes
0: right not that i think the best research you can do is with your own population you, know, you got your guys you know running with them but i even yeah. remember talking to brian johnson a couple years ago um what's it called he was uh he kept he kept mentioning time he was like time is the ultimate deciding factor in sports and in training and that stuck with me. And every time I think about and talk about stuff with kids, and they always want to see their vertical jump height. I mean, like, don't worry about your jump height. Worry about how fast it's taking you to complete the jump. Yes. Downwards, upwards, how fast you're moving. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, Rod, peak velocities, they say you measure peak velocity with Olympic movements or whenever you release an object. When yes. you sprint, you toe off the ground, you're off the ground, literally, you're not back down until you touch down. That's peak velocity, right? Absolutely. Throwing an object, baseball, football, um, shot put. It's all peak velocity relevant so I, I i think you're right i think if you track that more that time to peak velocity hey what's what's the shortest amount of window we can create the most amount of force in, and how fast you're yes. doing it man we're gonna we're gonna tear somebody up you remember how odell beckham used to run when we were with the giants
1: 100 percent,
0: bro i always tell people this is the most effortless guy i ever seen run now obviously he's a different human now because of his injuries but his time to peak velocity must have been like out there through the roof because he was effortless when he ran i remember him being like 30 yards out in front of the receivers on like the 80-yard sprints they used to run.
1: I remember talking with the uh, the performance manager that was there, our boy uh, Joe Danos, right? And I yeah. was like... You know, he's always pulling away from people because back in his heyday, Odell, even like before (laughs) our time, after our time, he's catching a slant and he's turning up and he is gone Gone. and nobody's catching him. So I asked, you know, I asked Joe back in the day, hey, you think like, is he just one of the fastest players in the league? Is he just one of the fastest guys? He was like, you know what? You look at the GPS. And that'll tell you that he's not one of our, you know, he's not, he doesn't have elite, elite, like four two forty speed. But what he does have is the ability to accelerate and get to his top speed a lot Mm. faster than most individuals. Right. And that, that told me a lot, especially in a game like football, where every play is, you know, six seconds. That is, that is the, that is a game of acceleration. And that's what matters. Right. How fast can you, like you said, how fast can you accelerate, produce as much force as possible and get to your peak velocity? Because if you can do it faster than whoever you're going against, whether it's on the line, whether it's, you know, out in space, what have you, then chances are you'll be in a more advantageous position more times than not.
0: No doubt, man. Bill Parisi always told me the definition of acceleration is reaching your maximum speed in the shortest amount of distance or time. I like that. Right. Right. So some guys, I mean, Olympians is a little bit different because those guys, it's like almost like a foot pattern to, to the finish line, right? They know how to take off. They know of when course. to reach their max velocity and how to you know, maintain that speed. Of and course. Go. But in sports like football or maybe basketball for, for a change of things. Basketball, you cross the guy over, boom, you see the lane, you got to take it. There's no time to decipher, should I go or should I not go? You know? Right, absolutely. I remember talking with Ellis, uh, not LSU, um, Louisville strength coach years ago. I forget his name. He's not there anymore, but I forgot his name. But we're talking about Lamar Jackson's GPS, and they compared him to Mike Vick at Virginia Tech. And they said Lamar Jackson had a way faster accelerate, decelerate, reacceleration time than Mike Vick ever had. And I just thought that was mind blowing because I thought Mike Vick was the best college quarterback of all time until, you know, you know, you got all the guys. But, you know, the fastest guy in college until what's his name? Lamar Jackson came around playing the position. But do, do you ever you ever measured acceleration on the force player no?
1: Uh, you know, I haven't. Um, I mean, they, have, a they little, have
0: that metric, but I never really looked at it.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't even thought about it until right now. But I mean, yeah. like I said, I know they have type time to peak velocity on there, which is kind of like in a kind of like an acceleration in itself. Uh, other thing with the force plate, not to. Not to, you know, change the subject, but since we're talking about it and a lot of people are going to be like, well, why didn't he mention this is asymmetries, right?
0: No, you're good, man.
1: Asymmetries, okay. <laughs> if, you a, if you got a dual force plate system, something that you put one leg on one plate and one leg on another plate and it can give you asymmetries, that's the big thing that everybody wants to monitor right now. And they're not always a bad thing, right? Like if your kicker has like
0: postural sway and shit like that, right? Yeah.
1: And if, you know, if your kicker, if one leg's stronger than the other on your kicker, right, is that necessarily a bad thing, right? It, it just helps you paint a picture. If I have a defensive lineman who only plays one side of the ball, he plays different techniques, but he's always playing one side of the ball as opposed to the other, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to push off of one leg a little more than the other. And I get, you know, with acceleration and coming off the line and stuff like that, you really want to push off of both legs. But more times than not, he's probably going to push off that front leg a little more than he's going to push off that back leg, right? And and you're going to notice that asymmetry uh when he's jumping. And that asymmetry is probably going to stay there. I mean, you can do different things to help, you know, help dial it back in and get that asymmetry from whatever percent it is closer to zero. But you know, that's it's probably not gonna go away throughout the season because he's just gonna keep pushing off of one leg and pushing off of one leg and pushing off of one leg the entire season.
0: Yeah. Now athletes or humans in general, but I think athletes more. Are master, masters of compensating absolutely, right? or compensating masters, however you want to term it.
1: Uh, one thing that I've learned just from talking to different strength coaches is, uh, you know, how can I put this? If, I don't want to say if it's not broke, don't fix it. But mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it is based on the feel of the athlete, like, right. Like the athlete's perception. So if, you tell the athlete that there's a problem there that they didn't think or know was there before. Now all of a sudden they're starting to feel these things that they didn't know that they, that they had before. Right. Right. And I've had a couple bosses explain to me, like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go in there and create problems that they didn't even know were there. So if mm-hmm. they're doing fine with it, like if, you know, somebody's scaps are offset just a little bit, right? If it's not affecting their everyday life, it's not affecting their throwing motion, you know, do you find it, do you find it worth it? Now there's other people out there who would be like, you know what, maybe we should fix it. You have to fix it. You know, you always want them to be as symmetrical as possible. And I, understand I understand both. I definitely think you want to do some work just to just to address it because you know you don't want to completely leave it alone because if it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse then could it lead to injury? Mm. Maybe, you know what I mean? So you definitely want to do something to 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 address it a little bit, but I don't want to tell somebody tell an athlete like hey, I think this is a problem and I think you need to fix this especially if they don't see it as a problem. Uh, I mean, and then that that's in some circumstances, not every circumstance. Like if a kid is squatting and, you know, he's got a uh, he's got a bad pelvic tilt or a butt wink or something like that. But he feels fine after he squats. You know, I'm still going to try and fix that so he doesn't have it anymore. You know right, what I mean? Right, so right, it's, right. A case by, it's a case by case thing. Yeah. You know,
0: and, Yeah, that that's that's more of like mortar pattern development. Yes. You know what you're talking about right there. So that's different because if a kid's knee continues to cave in or if he has poor ankle range of motion or hip internal rotation, hey, we're going to address these issues so you can squat better. Yes. You know, but I don't know. I just keep thinking like, you know, like a receiver, if he always lines up on the left side of the football and his right foot's always forward, are we, are, are we going to say, hey, we need to start sprinting with our left leg forward to balance ourselves out? Is there, is there even such a thing as a balance yourself out with an athlete? Because You know, at the end of the day, if you're performing at an extremely high level, what balancing do you need?
1: Percent agree you know what I'm saying? if you're performing right, like you get the people on Instagram who see Usain Bolt's knees kind of come together on the way out of the blocks and are like, Man, look at that, that's crazy, you know what I mean? But he's winning the race and getting gold medals, and he's the fastest dude alive, so right, you know, at the <laughs> at the end of the like, he's the fastest person ever in the history of the world, so. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, how much does it really matter? Could he be faster? If you fixed it, maybe, but he's still the fastest ever.
0: Yeah. you he know must, He must be creating a fuck ton of torque in his hip that, like, his leg is just turning in on him every time. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like just That's twisting good. the hell out of a doorknob.
1: 100%. 100%. Yeah, he's a, he's a powerful athlete, and they started him, right? He started off running the 400, and they brought him in, right, kind of – did they really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he started off running the 400. He's got and a 400 body? Yeah, 100%. He's built like a 400 sprinter. And they brought him in to run sprints, and the rest is history.
0: Mm. Unreal, man. I never knew that about him. I, I, I knew he was a 200 runner. I, I thought that's what his main deal was. I didn't know he's a 400 type of guy.
1: So, all right. So, could you say that some of the motor patterning, right, that we were talking about before that you said is different, right? That He'll could come. cause... That could cause that could cause some of these asymmetries, no?
0: Uh poor motor. Uh, I guess so, I guess so. But I don't know, because I think motor pattern development is just how your brain processes information. So for me, it's like, hey, your muscles telling your brain to tell your muscle what to do. So it's almost like right. a messenger sending a message to the middleman, and he's sending a message back to the guy who needs to get the message. Right? You know, I don't know. I just think asymmetry is just overcompensation of. A specific movement. You know what I'm right. saying? Like right. if you're like if you're jumping, 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 you know, 10 years later you're still jumping, 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 but you realize on a force. Now you're on a force play. Like, Shit, wait, now nah, I push off my left leg more than my right leg. What the fuck? Well, here's the thing: if you're a right-handed basketball player, you're gonna go lay the ball in with your right hand, you're gonna jump off that left leg hundred percent of the time, unless you're a Euro step type of guy. Right. But, you know what I'm saying? And I, and, I, and I just go back and I always think about myself. I was a place kicker, I was a right-footed kicker, but my left leg had more force production than my right. Probably because it was a plant leg. It was planted into the ground. It's driving force off the ground. Um, You know, when I played ball, I'd lay up, you know, jump off my left leg. So I guess, I don't know. I don't know if it's a motor pattern thing. That's an interesting question, though. Is it a motor pattern thing?
1: And it could also be, right? We could also be compensating because of pain, right? A hundred percent.
0: You know what I mean?
1: And that is going to alter our motor patterning and the way that we're we're grooving those motor patterns as well.
0: Hmm. And that leads to compensation. So you got, you got something going on there, right? <laughs> you see what <laughs> I'm, going, I'm saying? Yeah. Um, What's the path of least knows? resistance?
1: Yes. hundred percent. Right. What is the path of least resistance? And that's, that's what we're going to take.
0: That's what the brain's always going to send the message back. Say, hey, this hurts. Let's let's do this instead. Ah, that feels better, you know? Right. So you're going to see guys do chin-ups. They're doing like, you know, they're shrugging just to finish at the top. They can't really... <laughs> You know, pull the scaps and everything together. Absolutely, you know, that leads to dysfunction. I believe. Yes. Yeah. You know, that that's a yes. poor motor pattern. At least dysfunction. But I don't, I'm still thinking about it. Does that create an asymmetry? I guess it does. I guess it, I guess poor motor patterning does create uh, asymmetry. It can. And you know what? Let me go back. It can. It can, but more yes. so, it creates dysfunction.
1: Yes. There and we as- go.
0: Asymm- asymmetry would just be a uh, repetitive movement with. I guess, one motion. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, I agree. And also, like a a baseball swing. Guy swings righty, 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 righty. You tell him to do something left, He's not throwing that med ball as hard anymore. No doubt. You know, motor pattern's not there for him.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'd also like to throw out there just, you know, data, it's, it's not, it's not a hundred percent steering the ship, right? Like you're using all of this, it can help. It can affirm that what you're doing is right. Or it can tell you that what you're doing is wrong. And you know, you may have been doing it for 10, 15 years and you know that it works, but the data is telling you something different. You don't change and you still get good results. Right. Uh, right. it's not, it's not the end all, it's not the end all be all, but it definitely helps and it can help if you let it.
0: Yeah. I've, I've had more conversations with my athletes more recently than when i first got here about their data and i think they enjoy it more now than they ever have i remember when i first got here they're like i'm not jumping on the fucking force plate today i'm like dude you got i need i need i just need three jumps bro like please give me three jumps you know i'm not jumping today coach my knees hurt now they want to see everything you know but it's funny you say that because yeah you're right it does not steer the ship it shouldn't be like hey coach training loads are too high call practice it's over like dude screw that (laughs) we're in period 12 bro we're fucking rolling you know but um I would say that over time when you see certain trends yes that's when you start say, hey now we have to have a conversation about x we have to have a conversation about y you know hey is, speed, is miles per hour is coming down what's going on knees hurt soft tissue hamstrings bothering him hey baby maybe we maybe we stop squatting him for a little time maybe we keep them out of practice a little bit you know let them recover here you know let them get the speed back up cuz I think that that's that would be like a greater I think technology is good to identify things we can't see with the naked eye you know, orphan ad- orphan athletes lying to you because these kids play at a high level. They don't want to lose their job. Basically, right? I want to play. I'm a starter. I'm gonna fucking play. My knee hurts. I'm power through it. Say, like, hey, you hurt, dude? You know, let's fix something.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And it uh it allows you to uh, kind of like you said, it allows you to paint a bit of, paint paint the picture. Right? It's a puzzle piece in the entire puzzle, and allows you to ask the right questions. It allows you to to dig deeper into, you know, what could be wrong, or if there is a glaring issue or an underlying issue that we didn't want to know, that we didn't know, or he didn't want to, or she didn't want to talk about, you know, it allows you to kind of, you know, build a better relationship with the athlete. Hey, I noticed that your RSI is down a little bit, or, hey, I noticed you're favoring your left leg and all the metrics when you, uh, when you jump, right. Or, you know, I noticed that when you absorb, it's all left leg, but then when you go to push off, it's all right. So you're trying to, you're trying to correct it but is there something wrong with one of those, with, with either limb? Did you hurt your hamstring? Did you hurt your ankle or your knee or what's the problem? You know, it allows you to, to dig deeper into that and, you know, build these relationships and show these athletes that you care. Right.
0: No doubt, man. Do you have any, um, do you have any personal research on like soft tissue injury and like correlating it to numbers that you've seen or no?
1: You know, at LSU, we look at the RSI, again, I know I keep talking about the RSI, right? But one thing we noticed once we started tracking on a daily basis is as those guys, RSI once an RSI dipped right around 10%, Mm -hmm. then you were more susceptible to, you know, a soft tissue injury or, you know, even worse, you know, whether it's, you know, breaking a limb or something like that, you know, but, uh, that was the one thing that we noticed. That's how we, that's, that's, that was our biggest bread and butter right now people could have different reasons for dropping their RSI, right. For their RSI dropping, I should say. And that could be because, you know, they didn't get a whole lot of sleep the night before, which again, you know, stress is stress and that could definitely get somebody hurt. Right. Or, you know, their RSI is down, but they're coming, they're coming back from an injury. Right. Uh And, you know, as we talk about it, right. If the RSI has a has a you know a, a drastic decrease right then the workload wherever it was probably had a drastic increase right and we know that it's not a consistently high workload excuse me that is going to you know cause injury it is the spike in workload you know what i mean so right right, right maybe right. there's some sort of correlation between you know the drastic drop off in the rsi and the spike in workload just as we're talking about it i I don't have any research on that but you asked for anecdotal so there you go
0: (laughs) (laughs) appreciate it appreciate i was just curious i didn't know if you had something that you know we we you know we didn't talk about or we might have talked about that we you know forgot about but um shoot man rob man this is great information man i mean you've been you've been blessed to work in you know unbelievable places with unbelievable people and learn you know a, a great deal of invaluable knowledge man i appreciate you sharing that stuff with me bro
1: and i appreciate you uh always being somebody i can bounce ideas off of and you do the same thing you know we're always reading and sharing and uh you know trying to learn and trying to grow and you know you've been a big reason that i've grown into the person that i have especially with the you know the the data and the technology because it all matters and you know, you've you've done a good job of being like of keeping up with the stuff and reading stuff and helping me stay sharp. You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciate it. I feel it, like man. we kind of push each other in that aspect.
0: Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm I'm always going, I'm always going, you know, push you a little bit, man, because you got the big time. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm just chilling in the uh what am I FCS? Yeah, FCS level. Hey
1: man, you the big dog, like bro.
0: I kind of like it down here, man.
1: People,
0: <laughs> hey, people. <laughs> People, people don't know. People,
1: people know how smart you are, man. But if you were willing to leave Jersey one day, man, maybe uh, you wouldn't be at FCS anymore. You waiting on records to call, man. There's a whole world out there
0: outside of Jersey. Bro. Yeah, I know there is, man. But it's the best place on the globe. And I'm going to continue to say that to, <laughs> the, <laughs> to the day. Listen, I could get a job in, like, Wisconsin, I could die and get buried out there. And I would still say, hey, just make sure my tombstone says Jersey's the best place on the globe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, nah, most people would disagree. I, I probably lost a ton of fucking listeners after saying that, but be all right. But no, nah, no doubt, bro. You you know, you know me, Rod. I'm always gonna push you, man, because I know you you know, you want to be great and stuff. You're a great person, you know. what I'm saying I love working with you and stuff, so you know, you always gotta have you know somebody to work with, you know, like Rock Rocky and Apollo right here, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. That's what it's about, man. Just continuing to get better. And I saw something out there about uh, you know, I think it was Les Spellman tweeted it. It was like, you know, the reason that you know, all these forty times were so low this year, and one of the, one of the, one of the points that he made was that coaches are willing, more willing, I guess you could say, to to share tips and cues and information than they have been before, right? Yeah. and perhaps part of that is you know because these coaches want to seem smarter than everybody else right hey look what i'm doing or maybe part of it is because they truly want to help but it is all good and useful information and it all helps and you know i feel like as an industry hopefully we can get there one day like you know, I would love to call people up and ask questions and learn things. And as we sit there and talk, you know, we all come up with like you and I just now or like we always do come up with ideas. Oh, hey, you know, I want to call and ask you about this. And all of a sudden we're down a rabbit hole and we're talking about, you know, we're, we're talking crazy about stuff. things that, yeah, crazy stuff. But it's all helpful and it's all legit. You mm-hmm. know, you get those creative juices flowing and you get another perspective that is not your own. And I mean, we've been doing that for years since we've met each other now, but, you know, hopefully as an industry, you know, we can, uh, we can get there and people aren't too worried about a, uh, a competitive advantage all the time, because at the end of the day, if your coaches are recruiting better players,
0: then you're probably going to win. That's that. that's what it comes down to, <laughs> you know, and you I'll know. tell you what reason for, because one of my athletes asked me, he's like, do you get paid for that podcast? I'm like, no, nah, I don't get paid for it. man. It's like bringing people on sharing information because there's a lot of information that needs to be shared that people don't want to talk about. You know what I'm
1: saying? No, a hundred percent. I mean, you learn a lot. You, uh, you're like the strength and conditioning version of, uh, What's my man named Joe Rogan? <laughs> 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 I know he's under a lot of fire right now for some crazy stuff. So yeah, I don't appreciate mean that you, in I Appreciate
0: you comparing me to Joe Rogan, man. Great, po- <laughs> great podcast he's had over the years, you know, even though he's under some fire right now, but you know, whatever, he'll solve his own personal issues, man. But yeah, I'm not, no, tr- I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but you know me, Rod, man. If, if I'm doing a good thing, I'm going to talk about it.
1: No, you're a sharp guy. You're one of uh strength and is best-kept secrets that people don't know about. If you need somebody to come in and run your, you know, run your sport, your quote-unquote sports science department, a.k.a. handle all the technology, build the reports, do a whole lot of, you know, crazy stuff in Excel and present it to you in a way in which you can understand it and also relate to the guys and make sure that, you know, they care about it and that they want to do it and that they want to – that they want to – get better, you know, this is the guy that you need to hire because he could definitely do that for you, even though he won't leave Jersey because he just bought a house. <laughs> I also think that uh, another thing, like just kind of backtracking a little bit, yeah, could just be in all over the place, right? That uh, can help some of the guys with – you know, some of the performance metrics on the force plate is just actually teaching them how to jump in that external cueing, right? Hey, this is what you did, but this is what I need you to do, right? This is how you mm-hmm. do it. I need you down, fast, up, The fast, faster. You can go down and the faster you can come up from that, you know what I mean? The better that is for you, just getting them to explain that because there's a specific way that, you know, if you want your RSI to go up and some of these other metrics to go up, there's a specific way that you need to jump. And, you know, if you coach them on that, as opposed to just letting them jump, then you'll probably see better metrics throughout mm. the team.
0: It's funny you say that because now we're going back to the topic. It's funny you say that because I remember talking with uh, one of our reps and he said, don't coach the guys up because it's it's what they call their quote unquote movement signature. Hey, that's how they oh, no. that's how they're going to jump. That's how they're going to jump. Without the coaching, that's how they're going to jump. So to me, it's like, but as coaches, we're going to teach better movement patterns, you know, the more efficient way to do things, you know?
1: And if you teach it enough and they do it enough, then that becomes what they're going to do. Right. 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 Like how he says, Hey, this is what they're going to do. Well, if I coach it this way and I teach it this way, and they do it enough times this way, then this way is what they're going to do. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at that. At least
0: it becomes the way. I think your initial scan, like your initial scan, first time doing it, whatever you're going to, you know, January or August, whatever's your first time of the year, that could be a good, you know, assessor of, okay, this is your movement signature. Hey, this is how you move. We want you to move this way. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, you know, it's It's like a movement screen, right? It's It's like doing just about. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's, it's a movement. I
0: I was about to say, did you ever film your guys jumping or no?
1: No, but it's one of those things that uh, I've been I've been meaning to do, especially as you look into asymmetries and you look at mm-hmm. peak takeoff force on one leg or peak takeoff for asymmetry and peak landing asymmetry. You know what I mean? It's not something that you can see really, really good mm-hmm. in real time. So it's something that you could kind of there's something that you can film. And then show the guy, say, look, when you're in the air, right, look, you jumped off of your left leg, but in the air, you can see yourself kind of trying to autocorrect and you autocorrect a little too much and see that right leg land just before that left leg. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Coach guys do it like that. You know, another, another way for them to see what they're doing and for them to, to care about trying to do it, however you're coaching it and however you want to do it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I used to, um, I, I only film ACL um athletes that I work with, you know, just so because they're always gonna toe off of one leg versus the other and land on one leg over the other. Right or But I used to film um guys' 10-yard sprints when I was at Ford. Man, guys, I mean, just I think for having people giving them visual feedback, they learn better, especially athletes. You know, because athletes are football, especially football players. Really you watch film, watch so much film, and you practice. You watch film and you practice. So I think, you know, I don't know. I might start doing that, I might start filming their jumps. And then showing them, hey, this is what you're doing. This is what we need you to do, you know?
1: A hundred percent. I think that's a, a, a great way to do it. It's just if you're jumping every single kid, you know what I mean? You're going to have a lot of videos and stuff like that going. But yeah, like you said, with the, uh, videos. with the ACL guys, especially if you have somebody, if you have a video of somebody who's doing a teach take, like, you know what I mean? Hey, this is what you're doing see the difference between this and see the difference, see the difference between this and that. Mm. I need you to do more like this. And this is how you do it more like this. I a hundred percent agree.
0: Mm.
1: Giving them that visual feedback uh, will help a ton.
0: Yeah. Cause I keep talking. <laughs> it's funny. Cause every time the kids are like, let me see you do this. Coach Geo," and I might like, listen, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm done, bro. I'm washed. You know what I'm saying? I, shit. <laughs> right I need right you on. to do it, bro. <laughs> I might right start, film, I might start filming again and showing them, Hey, look, I, a little bit faster, son. A little bit faster, but
1: your your uh your boy your man your man Steve Leo said My the dog, same man. thing. That's what he's doing. He's uh you know he's got a whole bunch of videos and stuff set up because he, you know he's not out here. He's not in the business of uh of showing anymore. He's in the business of hey, look at this is how it's done. You know what yeah. I
0: mean? That's who I learned. That's why I learned it from when I was at Preece's. Him, Martin Rooney, those guys would film these combine guys, Rod, and. They would go in there like when they were done training, they'd go upstairs and just study the damn film of movement. Hey, your broad jump, we need you here. You want to get that 10-foot broad jump, You got to be here. You know, you want to accelerate a little better, you look at your hip. It's, got, it's not there. It's got to be here. You know? Right. They would just break it. Like Martin Rooney was like, I used to talk to him to this day, and I keep telling him, you're like the genius of movement. He's like, "Ah, oh, you know, Joe, we just pioneered it, man. We just wanted to do it the right way, you know? Right on. And that, that, that just sticks with me every day, you know, just do it the right way.
1: And I mean, it, it also works a lot better. First off, Steve, Leo, you told me we would do this Parisi podcast. I'm still
0: waiting, man. Let's go. So, let's, uh, hey, Steve, let's go, want. man. Kid, kids yeah. graduating high school, man. You got a lot of time on your hands. Now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you got one um, at the house, I think.
1: Hey, man. Yeah. So whenever you're ready. But uh, yeah, it works in a it, it, it works in a setting like that where, you know, you got five, six guys at a time. When you got a hundred guys go, you know what I mean? When you're dealing with a hundred guys, it makes it a little more difficult to say that it can't be done, but you got to figure out, you know, what you can and what you can't do, Mm you
0: know, it just comes down to manpower. If you got the assistants or, you know, the interns and you teach them the right things then you know, it becomes a helpful, helpful thing. So, yo, Rob, brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. This this is fun, man. You know, I told you I was going to get you back on again. Sorry. It's been two years, but you know, that's life for you, man. Get busy, get tied up and stuff. And then you know, we just made it happen again, bro.
1: Crazy. It's been two years. I've been three different places, but uh, no, I've, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, Anytime you want to run it, bro, we can definitely run it. I'll get on here with you and uh, we can create an episode, man. Thank you for creating this platform and thank you for, you know, giving not only me, but other coaches and everybody else that you've had on here uh, a space to, to talk with you and, you know, show showcase you know a little bit of knowledge here and there
0: i appreciate the kind words bro it means something man appreciate it dog what's Mm um last a last words for the crowd what you got man
1: just continue to work hard, right? Continue to be a good person, right? You might be going through something rough right now. You might be going through something and you're like, why is this happening to me? But just continue to press on, continue to press through it. Just know that you got people out there that love you, that care about you and that want the best for you. So continue to do what you're doing and don't let these circumstances change who you are, right? You've been raised to have, certain values and certain principles and you know stand strong and stand firm in those no matter what it is you're going through
0: no doubt man that's that's powerful right there It's people out there that love you just remember that
1: yeah 100 bro and if you feel like nobody out there loves you i love you
0: <laughs> rod hill loves the kids don't worry about it there we go yo appreciate you getting on brother
1: yeah no doubt dog i appreciate you uh taking the time again
0: No doubt, man. We'll we'll definitely do a part three soon. I won't won't leave you hanging. We'll do it soon.
1: Most definitely. You let me know. I'll be ready in uh, 2023. (laughs) 2024.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, two years from now, right? You know. All right, big dog. All right, man.